What? Am I starting this time? No, I'm doing it. I just couldn't. <laughs> Sorry. There's a touch of the laughs. <clears throat> like, I understand it's because Greece and Greece, right? But he didn't put it that way. He was like, the Greek people are greasy. And I was like, hang on a minute. Is this a we and a elderly man down the pub situation? Yeah. <laughs> We've got, you know, you've got some classics here. Flight, invisibility, telekinesis, a beard. (laughs) (laughs) A dream-blowing giant. Um, He basically, when he's blowing his trumpet... Sorry, sorry. Come on, I couldn't couldn't do it. I couldn't get past dream-blowing, never mind blowing his (laughs) trumpet. Hello, and welcome to Shark Live Royal. Welcome back to Shark Live Royal. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And we're back after the summer break. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> That's how excited I am. That wasn't well, even a sound file, that, Matt. That was just spontaneous joy bursting forth from my face. Well, well. And, and what Full better setup. way... Yeah, what better way to come back from the summer holidays than with a children's book? Um, we've not really done... A, have we done a kid's book before? I don't think we have. Um, have we? Not, well, not it's really. Not, no. It's the Hobbit's kind of a children's book. Yeah, yeah, kind and of. and the the catcher in the rye has a protagonist who's basically a two year old. But <laughs> oh, let's not get into that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, if you've not listened to Shark Live Royal before, what we do is take a book, break it down uh, into a, a number of parts, and then uh, take you through it page by page. And this time, it's the BFG by Roald Dahl. Um, this this is unusual. It's the first Shark Live Royal book that I've ever done. That has come with its own free pair of DIY giant ears to cut out and wear. Are you for real? Seriously, yeah. See, oh, see, unbelievable. I got the Kindle version, didn't get anything of the sort. Ah, Nothing you of see. the sort. Digital you discrimination, see. Matt, is what it is. <laughs> they should at least sort of email you a pair or something. Yeah, they? I'd quite like, Although that would be more disturbing, wouldn't it? Because, you know, that would just, you'd just get an email a couple of days later from mm. the publishers apropos of nothing containing a picture of two massive big ears <laughs> with instructions to get your scissors out i would find that a bit a bit surreal to be honest well yeah and, and also the ears i mean i've got to be they look weird on the on their own if you didn't if you didn't have them labeled diy giant ears i wouldn't have the faintest idea what they were you just look at them and be like <laughs> is it a clam is it some sort of Deformed oyster? <laughs> Some kind of map to hidden treasure? I just don't know. <laughs> it's the start of a Lovecraftian mystery of horror and... <laughs> yeah, so um, have you read the BFG before? Um, I, I realised when I sat down to it that I, I don't think... If I had, it was when I was very young. It's when I was like eight or nine or something. Yeah. So I remember reading a few Roald Dahl, sort of George's Marvelous Medicine and that. And it's... The BFG isn't unfamiliar to me, but at the same time, I had no idea what was going to happen. So it definitely wasn't like I was turning over each page and going, ooh, I remember this bit. I was turning over the page and going, you know, I was like trying to suppress my inner adult, really, and let the inner child come out and play. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, yeah, great. I haven't ever read it myself before. so um, Oh, really? So I got about halfway through with our first part and, yeah, enjoying it. Honestly, yeah, Matt, what's, what's going on with our childhoods? You, you and me, yeah. not small readers as it goes, and nobody was ever like, "Here you go, here's a classic." Yeah, well, I really liked other uh, Roald Dahl books. I mean, I yeah. loved uh, George's Marvelous Medicine, Fantastic oh, Mr. Cracking. Fox, James and the Giant Peach. You know, yeah. um, when it comes to BFT, well, I, I, I don't know. There was a, there were. I looked at it and thought, I don't really want to read. I, there was a weird reason for me not wanting to read it, but I might I might go into that another time. <laughs> um, okay, all right, cool. Well, we'll do we'll do that. We'll have a therapy session at the end, and we can talk yeah. about how we're both secretly terrified of um, giants, big eared giants. Yeah, big eared giants. <laughs> so, okay, so the BFG. So today we're going to read from the start as far as pay on in my free giant ear providing book. It's page one oh seven, which is a chapter called the Great Plan. Um, so that's where we're going to stop for today. All right. And we may as well dive straight in. I mean, we could do let's a little bit more on, on Roald Dahl in general at some point, but let's just get into the book. So, I'm sure we'll get into it along the way, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts off with it, kind of like a 
90s intro where you see pictures of the uh, I imagined it as like a um you know like one of those nineties shows like opening credits. <laughs> it's like the BFG and he turns to the camera because there's just loads of pictures of each of the main characters and just their names. Uh, which is a bit surreal. You just so you what you're thinking is it's kinda of, it's got that sort of heavy sax, but it's not the nineties, it's sort of mid late eighties, isn't it? Yeah. That sort of heavy sax music in the background is like yeah. The BFG featuring Sophie, freeze frame, <laughs> wink and the gun to camera. The BFG comically trips over and drops a snozcumber, freeze frame. Yeah. All of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Brilliant. I reckon like, the, the, the giant, like each giant has a little bit of a kooky personality, like he roars angrily and then sort of cracks up laughing as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, the outtakes real. Can you imagine? Oh well, yeah. we'll uh, we'll come to these giants and their outtakes. But yeah, yeah. So so we start actually we start with the list of uh, of giants uh, and names of. Gi- it, hang on, let's start this again. So we get a list of the main characters just to give you a feel for who we're going to be hearing about, and we also get a list of these giants, and they're not particularly friendly sounding names. I think you can tell from these that they're probably going to be the villains of the piece with the except <laughs> with one clear exception you've got the flesh lumpy something that struck me here dave with these giants yeah um there's one of them that just kind of stands out as not particularly fearsome with these names <laughs> just see if you can see if you can pick out the one which made me think hmm all right, the, all right hit me the flesh lumpeter the bone cruncher the child chewer, the meat dripper, the gizzard gulper, the main masher, the blood blotter, the butcher boy, and the man hugger. <laughs> <laughs> the man hugger. <laughs> I hope he. I hope he turns out to be something unusual, but we'll see. Well, me does, too. It, but. Sorry, go on. Me too, but are we are we just encountering here what it was like for a man of Roald Dahl's generation? He was he was Norwegian British, right? So you know, not an enormous amount of um, emotional kind of bombast going on there. Where like along with like bone crunching and blood drinking and all of these butchery and all of that sort of horrible stuff, hmm. literally the next worst thing you think of was being hugged by a man. <laughs> like, uh, no, no. I was sorry. It was just it was completely unacceptable. Uh, get away from me with your feelings. <laughs> That's what I imagine him sounding like. <laughs> he must be devil. I wonder if they gave these names out a bit like they're like Reservoir Dogs, and he just got the short straw. <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck am I the man hugger? Right? He's Mister Red. He's Mister Blue. He's Mister Orange, and I'm I'm Mister Pink. What is that? <laughs> Why is he the blood blotter? Why is he the charger? Why am I the fucking manhugger? <laughs> anyway. And you know, actually, what it will have been is it will have he will have got really drunk one night with his mates and just got a bit emotional and just gone around hugging everybody. And the next yeah. morning they will have been like, do you know what? Fucking manhugger over there, eh? Yeah, <laughs> eh? Right? Yeah. And that's how nicknames get given, Matt. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're forever manhugger. Absolutely. Um, so the first chapter is The Witching Hour. We're introduced to Sophie, who's a little girl who can't sleep. She's sleeping in a big dormitory. Um, she's got glasses, and it's The Witching Hour. I love this idea of the sort of yeah. time in the middle of the night, let's be honest, probably 3.30 a.m., yeah. um, where just no one's around. And she, Sophie can't sleep, so she goes to the window, peers out through the curtains, and something is coming up the street what a start. Yeah, oh, it's great, isn't it? Yes, very much. I, I like this. I like the witching hour idea because it, it reminded me of the innocence of childhood because now when I think of, you know, streets in basically any settlement in the UK at 3.30 in the morning, what I think of is, like, shambling drunken people and yeah. s- streets are washed with vomit. Although that might tell you mostly more about the kind of places that I've lived in the UK <laughs> than anything else. Yeah. But it's definitely. But I, I understand what it, that the hush in the middle of the night when when only when only drunks and tube drivers are around. That's um, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, 
he doesn't waste any time, does he, Roldal? Here, there's, there's no. Sophie had had a long and interesting childhood, and blah, blah, blah. It's just, <laughs> let's get into the story. Come on, and I can Absolutely. I can appreciate that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, very, very much. Very, <clears throat> very much. So the second chapter is who? Um, who? <laughs> this, <laughs> this is basically uh, so, so Sophie sees a giant of a man, and I mean a literal giant, with a cloak, a trumpet, and a suitcase. And he's sort of... On his way to band practice, it would seem. He's creeping down the street, blowing his trumpet into kids' bedrooms. It's a simpler time this day, isn't it? It's a more innocent time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, God help us, but it's not easy to read certain key elements of this plot without thinking... Ye gods, we've lost a lot of innocence over the last 35 years or so. Because it was only 1982 that this was published, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lost a lot of innocence since then. <laughs> yeah, but so so that's, what, that's what's going on. Some strange stuff going down in the street. Involving trumpets. In, involving trumpets. Uh, and so he, he, yeah, he blows this trumpet into the, the bedroom of some, uh, of some kids down the street. Um, and then looks up and catches... Uh, catches Sophie looking at him so she suddenly like runs off to bed and tries to hide um, which brings us to the next chapter the snatch again innocent times <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested here to see how you I think you're, you're doing very well at calibrating yourself against the great uh, the great number of challenges here because you, you've got to you've got to pick the right low hanging fruit haven't you <laughs> With a setup like this, <laughs> um, so basically, Sophie's hiding in her bed, and this hand, giant hand, comes in through the window and wraps her up in her blanket, almost like a little sort of blanket bag, if you like, and then um, pulls her out of the window, and then the giant starts running off with her, and she's bouncing around in this blanket, thinking, "Oh." I'm gonna I'm gonna be eaten by a giant, and that would be a pretty short book if that happened. <laughs> I was gonna say that, Sophie. Just as just as you were not gonna get away with hiding under your bed because it's the first <laughs> chapter of a book, I don't think you're gonna get eaten because it's the first chapter of a book. But this is why, Matt. This is why growing up in the age of irony and metafiction has ruined us for a book like this. Because <laughs> I'm reading this now and I'm going, no chance, love. Nah, you're yeah. all right. Don't worry about it. Instead of going, oh no, she's going to get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Although I suppose it could have been a twist if she did, and then the story was about like her brother or something. Ah, like like the film Executive Orders, which <laughs> I, in many ways resembles the BFG. Fuck, I can't even explain that rather obscure, but I'm convinced quite funny joke without spoiling Executive Orders, can I? Shit. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a little bonus uh, clip yeah, for people we, who've watched ex- for the for the <laughs> small Venn diagram meeting group of uh, people listening who've both watched the Executive Aww, Order and listened to well, this. Well watched people, Matt. Our, our audience, uh, I'm sure they've watched the cream of Steven Seagal's cinematic output and read the best of Roald Dahl's writing. I don't think I don't think those two are mutually exclusive at all. <laughs> Uh, next we get to the cave. Uh, the giant runs a long, long way. He seems to sort of run normally for a bit and then sort of move into beast mode and just absolutely power it for a while and then slow yeah. down and, and they're miles and miles away. There's a suspicion that he's run over an ocean here. Yeah. And um, so it's somewhere completely different, obviously. And Sophie's dropped in this cave. She sort of falls out of the blanket and there's this giant table and chair in front of her, these giant shelves everywhere. And the giant sort of looks down and goes, what has us got here? Which is a nice introduction. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Introducing us to the most important thing about this this giant, which is that he is, to the rules of grammar in the English language, what a thrown hand grenade with a pin out is to a duckling farm. It's just... <laughs> it's just... It's, it's, it's uh, deeply uh, confusing. If I would hate to be somebody who didn't speak English as a first language trying to make that make sense of this book, it would be yeah. it would be hellish, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, it's not for a sort of English with a second as a second language or an Le- audience. And, and that, that's so <laughs> that's interesting because a lot of um, people learning English as a second language read children's books 
as an introduction, don't they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, avoid this one. In fact, avoid a lot of Roald Dahl. He, he loves made up words. It's a real trait of his, isn't it? Yeah, he does. And and I I love it for that because there are a number of words here which I look at and realise are have actually passed into like common parlance. Mm. Like, did you did you? There's one that's legit is now used in American sitcoms and everything. Hmm. Redunculus. <laughs> The word redunculus appears in this part of the book. I forget where it is, but Sophie says something and the giant considers it redunculus and says so. Mm. And there you go. And now that's in, is it uh, How I Met Your Mother that that's used in, I think? Or is it? <laughs> I think it's How I Met Your Mother. But it's, it's something like that. But it's, so yeah, roll down, roll down. They're projecting mm. nonsense made up words out into the cosmos. <laughs> so we get to the, the next chapter is the BFG. Um, so we're introduced properly to this giant. He's called the BFG, Big Friendly Giant. Um, yeah. uh, it turns out, towards the end of the chapter, he says that he's got these massive ears, um, as we have sort of, so that explains the big ears in the book, the three big ears in the book. Uh, the three big ears <laughs> that the publishers deigned to send to you. <laughs> Thank you for buying the book. <laughs> That's he, um, a ballsy move, isn't it? This is one of the classics of children's literature of the late 20th century. And somebody at the publishers has gone, do you think it'll be magical enough? Do you think the kids will enjoy it? And I'm worried they won't enjoy it enough. I, th- I wonder that, you know, the characters and the finely sketched picture of of a young person coming into consciousness of the world and its dangers and 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 how you can trust some people even when maybe maybe you worry about them and and yeah i think what we need is cut out ears in this i think (laughs) i think what adds to the magic of children's literature is extra work with the scissors (laughs) you think they decided uh, that you think they sort of they were saying it's it's selling well this one and there's a film (laughs) tie-in coming up but we need something extra to offer them Can we can we brainstorm this and then just after a while everyone's sort of looking elsewhere because no one's got any ideas just fiddling with a pen and there's one guy in the corner thinking do I say it <laughs> I shouldn't say it I mean I've got to be laughed out of the room but I think I'm going to say it free DIY giant ears lads check the rest of the day off <laughs> what's that is that one in the afternoon boozy <laughs> afternoon down the pub lads done. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we've got the big ear giant. Um, you've got he's living in the land of the giants, and all the other giants are human eaters. Um, the bone cruncher apparently eats two. I think he's not the only one. I think a few of the giants have a few humans for tea every night. Um, they describe they call humans human beans, which I think is quite funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's sort of like a food stuff, um, and They're good for your heart, Matt. Yeah, good, good, good for you. Yeah. I mean, we have this discussion about the different nationalities and that they all taste differently. So, um, Turkish human beans taste of Turkey. Um, Welsh human beans taste of Wales. So, I suppose it's human beans from Wales. <laughs> Jer- human beans from Jersey, a bit disgusting. Um, <laughs> so, just, yeah. just because Jersey, really? No. no. <laughs> Uh, oh, but the worst ones are from Greece because they taste greasy. I thought this was great. <laughs> it was great, but there was a little bit of me that was like, just a little bit sad that you wouldn't get that published nowadays. I bet you. <laughs> Particularly juxtaposing Turkey and Greece, who at the time were like at war and hated one another. Like, it's a bit like kind of saying, oh, I wouldn't eat Iraqis. They taste like racks. And as for them Syrians, they taste like si- syrup, syrup. Syrup. Yeah. Too sweet. Load, yeah. Loads of those, yeah, yeah. It works, isn't it? I'm Snap. Glad- <laughs> Gre- I'm glad- Greasy Greeks, though, was a bit close to it. <laughs> like, I understand it's because Greece and Greece, right? But he didn't put it that way. He was like, the Greek people are greasy. And I was like, <laughs> hang on a minute. Is this, are we in a elderly man down the pub situation here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad the, uh, the giants haven't discovered Malta because they'd be like eating hey. little Maltesers. Bam! You yeah. see, there you go. But, so, but a very, very niche product there. Hey? Yeah, <laughs> not many, not many Maltesers to be had. Yeah, the, the the funny thing about this conversation about the different types of human beings is that it goes on for so long that 
Sophie basically thinks, oh, you know what? Just eat me now. I've had enough. Just, just, <laughs> just kill me. <laughs> it's a ballsy, ballsy uh, writer, that isn't it? Uh, who uh, who writes uh, writes his first introductory sort of meet cute scene, during yeah. which one of the characters actually says, "This is really boring. I really wish I wasn't alive anymore." <laughs> yeah. So she says, oh, let's just get it over with. Come on, I'm ready to die. I've been hearing about all these different types of human beings and just, just kill me. I just can't, I can't take any more punchlines. These points are laboured. Please, please. <laughs> and the giant goes, kill you? No. And he says, no, I'm friendly. <laughs> you must listen to more. <laughs> I like that your idea of BFG's voice is this sort of like, kind of like Elrond from Lord of the Rings with bad guitar. <laughs> like, kill you. No. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do him like that for the rest of the book. Yes. Yes. So uh, we, we, we move on to a chapter called The Giants. Um, so uh, he, the BFG says the reason he has kidnapped Sophie is to keep the, the giants a secret because no one knows that they exist yet. Um, and he says the he sort of opens up the cave and she looks out and there are giants everywhere and the BFG who's sort of what the size of a three story building because he's got to look down to look into a, yeah she, into he says 20, 24 foot tall yeah and he apparently he's the runt he's the small one and the other giants are all lumbering around out there yeah which is, again, but he's just, got better manners than they have so of course you know. he is well, Manners we'll, make man. We'll, we'll, we'll get onto that shortly. But yeah, he's, uh, he's the runt. So just a little extra texture for you there. Um, we then move on to the marvellous ears. Um, we find out a little bit of Sophie's backstory. She's an orphan. Uh, mm. That's why she's in the uh, in the old uh, dormitory, which is quite nice. Um, uh, yeah, a, yeah that, that was an interesting one as well. You don't see orphanages feature very much in... Um, in fiction these days but time was that was your sort of go-to place when you wanted a child protagonist mm. who um who needed who had a, a good reason to want to go through a story you went straight charles dickens loved the yeah. orphanage yeah yeah you're right and i think there are, are quite a few examples of real dial as well where he, he sort of picks out this this sort of storyline um, yeah. a few times so the giant is as we sort of suspect a dream-blowing giant um, he basically, when he's blowing his trumpet. Sorry, sorry. Uh, come on, I couldn't, we've got to get I couldn't do it. I couldn't get past dream blowing. Never mind <laughs> blowing his trumpet. I'm, I can do it. I'm sorry, Matt. I can do it. I can do it. Here we go. So, don't laugh about it. It'd be awful if you laughed about it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, so when the, so when the, is, there's no, there's no good way to say this. So he's basically a dream-blowing giant. He blows his trumpet into children's bedrooms and dreams arrive. <laughs> I mean, I'm so close. <laughs> I'm so, I realise there was no help to you whatsoever in that process, Matt, but I'd like to say that you dealt with it manfully, and, and I am impressed. For anyone at this point who is... Um, furious and disappointed with us ruining their childhood book, the BFG. I can only wait till we do Harry Potter. <laughs> um, oh goodness! Well, I'm not saying it again. Um, the, so, so that's basically. You know, how I, actually, on this on this trumpet thing, this is a weird dream delivery device, isn't it? You know, like mm. like the idea that because a trumpet is designed to make noise, right? Mm. So. Is it like some sort of magic or a trumpet with a hole in the side or something? Like, I yeah, right. Okay, so it's it's just it's like a I don't know what other thing you could use to deliver dreams more effectively. It's catapult, mm. possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, L- yeah. Wrap that's them a good a point. Brick and chuck him through the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he does some sort of fairly yeah. It's it, it is an unusual form of dream delivery. I'll give you that. Um, and he keeps, he basically catches dreams and keeps them in jars and then sort of picks a dream to give to a child, which is quite interesting. Um, mm. And the way he catches them is he can hear dreams moving around and in the air, and he sort of just catches them in a net called his dream catcher. Um, he also says he can hear things like 
uh, spiders singing, uh, caterpillars chattering. And when sort of flowers are picked, he hears them scream. And when sort of uh, trees are cut down, he hears them groan. And this was quite... This took a turn, didn't it? Because that's quite horrific, especially the screaming flower. Goodness me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's I think that's an interesting example of a story where the author's just clearly being led by. He's clearly being led by his sort of impulse rather than because he's tested that you know that you'd never get a line like that in, uh, I don't know, the Maze Runner unless it was clearly designed to create a kind of, you know, some sort of like merchandise the screaming mm. flower toy yours available from mattel 29.95 right yeah. whereas this is just like he's just he's he's got this slant view on things and one of the things he's putting in there is the fact that this guy can hear everything so i guess he must be able to hear flowers scream when they die mm. um which is pretty cold like it's pretty horrific thing to think about um it does also call into question later on especially given how much talking he does around what he will and will not eat, why mm. he can bear to eat the things he actually eats. Yeah. Um, which we'll come to when these things are introduced. But I, 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 I think I've caught the BFG here in a slightly less than friendly position vis-a-vis <laughs> plant life. And that's what we're all reading the books for, isn't it? The loopholes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we move on to uh, snozcumbers. So these are... Um, Basically, yeah, as you say, the veg- the the BFG's vegetarian. You know what? There's a there's a bit of a sort of um, there's a, re- a sort of green thread running through this. He's he's all you know saying that cutting down trees and harming plants is is almost as bad as harming animals. Um, he says it pretty much is as bad as that. And then also he says uh, that he won't eat he he won't eat people. Or meat, I suppose, just vegetables, because it's sort of wrong. Um, yeah. Sort of, it makes a moral case rather than a sort of saying I don't like the taste and think anything like that. It's a very much a moral thing with him, isn't it? Um, but we we'll yeah. get, I suppose, get more into that in the later chapters. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that means he's stuck eating these snozcumbers, the only thing he can eat that isn't a human, and <laughs> that's pretty I, I, grim. Yeah, he's pretty grim, but it does. He eats them and he hates them, but he's like, all right, the only thing I can eat is this. And I'm like, okay, cool then. So do they not grow? Or <laughs> do they not scream? Or is it just that things which are in some way ugly don't deserve to live? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is that the argument you're making here, Roll? I feel like you've making a, made a pretty big. You know how it's that thing where, you know, left wing and right wing sort of join up out of the back and extreme left wing and extreme right wing end up acting the same way. Is this a thing where he's gone so far through vegetarianism that he's arrived at he's arrived at a point where he he doesn't care about hurting the plants because fuck the plants. Like, is, is that his attitude? Am I reading that in here? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, yeah, it, it's strange, isn't it? But, you know, I suppose he's got to eat something. And he thinks these weird knobbly, sort of cucumbers from hell are the the things that have got, have got to get gone if he's going to if he's going to get rid of something. They deserve to be eaten. Yeah. Uh, he, Ugly things deserve to die. Message understood. Cheers, Rold. Let's move on. <laughs> so he starts eating. Um, it's it's pretty disgusting. Sophie takes a bite and is equally says it's horrible. Again, we get this lovely sort of weird speech. Uh, strange made-up words like humple crimp and um and again it's just quite it's quite a lot of fun isn't it oh yeah absolutely and the, and of course like all great made-up words you sort of know what they mean and mm. they sort of fill a hole in your vocabulary that you didn't have that you didn't know was there but mm. now you now i want to find a way to use humple crimp in my everyday conversations yeah it's, it seems unlikely but i reckon i, I can work it in there somewhere <laughs> The other thing, actually, I was going to say about snozcumbers, by the snozcumbers, by the way, what a fantastic name! Yeah, um, is uh, and this is uh, this is uh, we've mentioned a couple of times, sort of uh, the 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 shark liver oil, sort of shark liver oil deep history is my uh, the time I spent um, living in Bangladesh, and um, uh, you coming out to visit at one point, and while we were there, did you ever? bear witness to me trying to eat out of sheer politeness because I am English. Um, bitter gourd. Do you ever do this? No. 
Oh, it was Matt. It was horrendous. Like <laughs> I, I, it, there were there were lots of things to eat in Bangladesh, which were very delicious. Um, but uh, most of those were quite expensive. So kind of day by day, you, you had to get your vegetables from somewhere. Mm. And one of the places you would get it was they called it bitter gourd. Gourd mm. just means like sort of a, a courgette or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, a, or like a snozcumber, for example. And it was the first time I ate it. I don't know what had happened to it or how it had been cooked, but it tasted like somebody had squeezed a lemon into a bin and then put it in a blender and then called it a vegetable. Yeah. And it, it was it was horrendous. And the, pro- the problem is that somebody had prepared this for me at really quite great length and there was no way of turning it away without being yeah. a complete You've got to get tool. it down, yet. Yeah. You've yeah. got to get it down. And that was my eating experience with almost everything in Bangladesh. Um, and so and most of it I came to uh, enjoy or at least tolerate. But the bitter gourd was actually, that was the one thing which eventually I was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I just, I'm really sorry. I, just, I know that I'm a terrible person right now, and I know that I'm being very disrespectful to you, but please don't make me eat any more of that. And I had a little sense memory while I was reading about snozcumbers. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 feel you there, Soph's. Been there, mate, been there. <laughs> Bitter gourd. Bitter gourd, that's what they I can't believe I mean- that I never tried to get you to eat it while you were there. Yeah, it's a name that doesn't instill confidence, isn't it? You fancy a bit yeah. of bitter gourd? And oh, mm. oh yes, my favourite. What does it taste like? Well, it's like gourd, but it's bitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the uh, the the blood blotter is the next. Um, speaking of great words, is the next chapter. This is a particularly nasty and ferocious giant who arrives at the uh, arrives at the BFG's house basically just to bully him and knock him about a bit um and he what says he's yeah but he also says he, he thinks he's heard him speaking to a human being in there <gasps> so Sophie has to has to hide she ends up cr- climbing into the snozcumber um and, and hiding in there as right the, uh, blood blotter comes in at this moment I mean, okay, so this is full-on fee-fi-fo-fum, I-smell-the-blood-of-an-Englishman type material here, and I'm, I'm alongside it. I think it's fascinating, great tense scene and all that. But yeah. do, the, do the giants then know that human beings can speak? Because it seems to me that they go there at night and they just find these houses full of delicious food, right? Mm. Nobody's ever had a conversation with one. So at that point... Is, would this not just be like walking past your mate's house, hearing him talk inside, and then going, I assume he's talking to his steaks. What the hell are you doing talking to your steaks? Why are you doing this? And the crisps also, you're talking to your crisps. <laughs> like, you're, you're talking to your food. And his first response is to go in there and be like, oh, what are you doing? I'm going to punch you. Instead of being like, I'm scared of you, you talk to food. Well, I suppose the giants are aware that people talk because they they time their visits um, to stay in the secret, and um, oh. and and if any anyone sees them, they kill them or kidnap them um, to make sure that the word doesn't get out. So yeah, somewhere down the line, there must be some awareness of what human beings are like, um, yeah. as opposed to other animals. Uh, the BFG says, you know, it's evil to eat human beings. That's why he doesn't eat them. Yep. Um, and that he eats these lovely snozcumbers instead and promptly tries to get the blood blotter to eat the snozcumber, which, unfortunately, Sophie is now hiding him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Again, it would have been a shorter book uh, if if uh, he had gone through with eating her at this point. But I also quite like the idea of him buying off a massive chunk of it, chewing it up and going, Gods, that was horrible. A nice little taste at the end there, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job he wasn't like you, the blood blotter, and you know, in, just just really, really polite. Thinking, oh, I'm gonna get it all day, mate. <laughs> oh, here we go. I suppose. Yeah, I realise I've cast myself in the role of the blood blotter here, and I hope my presence in Bangladesh wasn't quite that malevolent. But we'll see. <laughs> Are you talking to your bitter? What was it bitter called? gourd. You're talking to your bitter gourd, aren't you? No, I'm talking to my bitter friend, Dave, and I think he's had a bit too much. Um, so the yeah, so the blood blotter takes a big bite of this thing. Sophie ends up in his, in his mouth and then gets spat out and luckily hits the um, BFG's cloak and sort of rolls to the ground, so basically surviving. Um, 
and then the the blood blotter sort of draws himself up to his full height and you get you think you get the idea he's going to deliver a massive zinger here he's going to call him something dreadful it's going to be something <laughs> that's going to stay with the bfg forever and probably haunt his deepest darkest nightmares he calls him a cream puff nut and then leaves <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, I wasn't expecting that insult. It's good. It's a great insult, but um, it is. Not, it is coming I, out the mouth of the blood blotter. It makes it really, really funny. It is. It is because you imagine him kind of booming it, don't you? Like really, <laughs> really looking for the thing that's going to put like fear into his heart, and he comes yeah. out with you cream puff nut. <laughs> yeah, it is the it is the insult of a country English gentleman, isn't it? Um. It is. It is a country English gentleman who is at the very end of his tether. So he, yeah. he's tried being polite. He's trying being icily polite. He's tried <laughs> being cold, and now he simply must resort to insults. But he's not well practiced enough because he's English. You cream yeah. puff nut. <laughs> it's a kind of insult that someone who says. Oh crumbs when something goes oh, wrong. It is, it is. Deary me. Good oh uh, poot. And, oh darn. You cream puff nut. Yeah. So cream puff nut, favourite insult of um polite English gentlemen and the blood blotter, it turns out. Um yeah. but this same same but different. Yeah. This insult and general action um moves the uh, Sophie, the BFG, to think about how great it would be to basically exterminate the giants. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, another significant handbrake turn taken from the do no evil, see no evil approach to the just kill all the fuckers approach. And it is a swing, isn't it, from vegetarianism to genocide? Like, what the hell? He's not. He's not for half measures. The BFG is he? No, that's true. Jeez. Um, we move on to Frob Scottle and Whiz Poppers, the next chapter. Frob Scottle is a drink, um, like a fizzy drink, where the bubbles fizz towards, or downwards, rather than upwards yep. to the surface. Uh, <laughs> and he says, he says the process is simple. And I, uh, did I send you the YouTube, and I'll put, I'll put this out on Twitter, um, so if anyone hasn't seen it, you can. The YouTube video of the carrot juicer. No. Okay, so it's this. It's this. Like, you know, the infomercials, like the TV salesman people. It's right, one of yeah. those, and it's this old guy with a carrot juicer and like a presenter, and someone's sort of taken the sound out and overdubbed a different sort of track. <laughs> so he's so, so he's this like, is this? It's like this mad scientist who's like trying to like <laughs> try to push this juicer on on this unsuspecting audience, and. Um, and the presenter's like got a carrot and she's like, wait a minute, you're telling me this can turn into juice? And he just turns to the audience and goes, the process is simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's a re- it just, as soon as I read it, it made me burst out laughing for just that very reason. But like I say, I'll put that video Brilliant. on YouTube. Brilliant, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter. Uh, but yeah, so the process is simple. The bubbles are go down to the bottom rather than up to the top, which basically means that you don't burp very much, but you do fart a lot, and that's what that's what whiz, whiz popping is. Uh, and uh, and then we get into, I mean, this is sort of children's book gold. This isn't it? You play into the gallery here with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the giant takes a big gulp, says, "Oh, it's brilliant," and then farts with such violence that he shoots up into the air. Um, there must be, all I can say is there must be plenty of fibre in Snozcumbers because there isn't any accident or anything. It's all fine. <laughs> and everyone has a bloody good laugh about it. <laughs> That's amazing. Only you could go from whiz poppers to sharts. <laughs> He's an elderly gentleman, this giant. So you know, uh, hey, well, You're not kidding. Oh, it could have gone wrong, couldn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> can you tell that this is very much... Wank bang in the middle of my humour. I was going to say that. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and and I wonder if there's any other work of fiction in the entire world which goes in the space of two pages and not more than a couple of hundred words from genocide to fart competitions. <laughs> well, I can't. If there is one, Dave, I can't think of it. No. At this if if there is one, I want to know about it. This could be a whole <laughs> new Shark Liver Royal series. <laughs> 
the next the next uh, chapter is journey to dream country so mm-hmm. they've got to head out to the uh, place where the BFG catches his dreams which is quite an exciting prospect unfortunately yeah. on the way they get waylaid by the other giants who see the BFG leaving his uh, cave and they just have a wander over for a bit of bullying uh, the flesh lump eating giant is the one who instigates things now I think he's kind of the leader isn't he um, or as much as there is one yeah and they basically pick up the BFG and start throwing him around and I think the first yeah. person who catches him is Manhugger um, so obviously his, his lame name isn't causing him any problems in terms of integrating in the group. No, 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 no. That's why he's participating in the thing. He's like, I've got a shit nickname, but at least I'm not the BFG. <laughs> Let's let I'll I'll be the most enthusiastic bully of that guy because if he falls, it's me who's next. Yeah, that's what he knows. <laughs> uh, so uh, we get it af- after the the sort of. It's it's quite. I'd imagine reading this as a child, it'd be quite sort of upsetting to see the BFG being treated like this because you know he's the he's become the big sort of friendly adult character of the uh, of the novel. Mm. But uh, it's it's kind of thing that when I'm reading it, I just think it's sort of vaguely vaguely funny and a bit odd, um, and then I would move on. But I think if I was reading it, I'd get a very different I'd get a very different sort of feel out of it if I was reading it as a child. It'd be like, oh no, this is terrible, um, <laughs> and you'd and you'd really hate you'd really hate the the giants at this stage. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, we find out a bit more about the different ways that the giants catch humans. So one of them hides out in the sea and grabs them when they swim out. One <laughs> hides in a tree. The sea one I thought was quite interesting. Again, reading as a child, it might make you think, I'm not going, <laughs> not going anywhere near yeah. that big water. Yeah. Continuing the grand uh, English children's literature tradition of giving as many nightmares as they take away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the BFG then says that, that, that we get into almost like a, a bit of a philosophical discussion between Sophie and the BFG. He says humans are the only animal that kill each other. Um, I mean, it's not true, but it's a nice sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and off the top of my head, I know. I mean, lions kill like uh, all Absolutely. the cubs, don't they? When a new lion pick, arrives, yeah, exactly. Pick yeah. any animal that has, uh, like, that fights, yeah. and they will kill others of their own species. Of course, they will. Yeah. Um, and then don't get me don't get me started on the black widow spider. You don't want to know what happens there. I do not want to know what happens with the black widow spider, and I definitely, given this book, don't want to know what it sounds like when it sings. Can well, you imagine? I bet. I bet it's just really, really tinny death metal. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think it's some really sort of seductive, like, <laughs> come here, and then, well, so I can bite you on the ass, and then, yeah, that's it. That's then, that's what happens. You see, with the Black Widow. Black Widow. So you're you're somewhere between a Black Widow, a spider, a sugar babe, and a siren. Basically, is what you're coming up with there. Yeah, uh, yeah. so we've got the humans, the only animal that kills each other. And Sophie says, oh, why do the giants eat us? We've not done anything to, to anger the giants. We've not done anything wrong. Why pick on us? And the, the BFG says, well, you know, that's the same thing that pigs could say to humans, basically. We've not done anything wrong. What are you picking on us for? So, again, it's a real sort of very vegetarian um, sort of yeah, outlook yeah. here, isn't it? Very much, very much. So anyway, this kind of philosophical discussion helps pass the time as they speed on to Dream Country. And um, we move on to the next chapter, which is Dream Catchers. So um, this is nothing where... to do with the, the the Stephen King novel and film of the same name. No, absolutely. I profoundly to do fucking hope. <laughs> yeah. So we um, basically the the BFG stands up. And uses his ears to detect the dreams floating by and uses his net to catch them. He gets a really good one, which is a golden fizz wizard. Get in, he's happy with that. Yeah. And then he gets a really bad one, which is a troggle humper. Um, and this is a really bad nightmare. I love how he, sh- he shouts out um, deliver us from weasels, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite phrase. <laughs> Uh, and you know a useful phrase if you're ever in a position where there's more weasels than there are of you yeah weasels nasty fuckers oh deliver us from weasels (laughs) 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 he's 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 very very upset about catching it and I wasn't really sure why because 
he says it's basically floating around to give a really horrible nightmare to a child. And now he's got it in a jar, he can just, he can sort of just keep it there if he wants. Yeah. I don't understand one, why he was that One less upset, bad dream in the world. One less bad dream in the world. But anyway, well, maybe maybe happy. he had a bad experience with a what's it called the troglador? A, it's the what the, the troggle humper. A troggle humper. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe he caught one once and thought, oh great, I've caught it now. It's not gonna not gonna mess up any kids. Cracking job done. And then he dropped it on the way back, and he ended <laughs> it and like dropped it on his foot or something, and she ended up with a left foot that was just really really in a bad temper for a couple of years. Just every <laughs> night. The foot, only the foot would have bad dreams. The rest of him would be perfectly happy. Wake up in the morning, look at his foot, and it's just, well, that foot's been having bad dreams, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be that. That could be the, that, that, to be honest, that's the only really possible explanation, I would say. Um, so I'll go for that. You still there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just, you just started breaking up, but I think you're still there. Um, <clears throat> the next chapter is A Troggle Humper for the Flesh Lump Eater. You don't get that chapter in sort of many other books, do you? No, you don't, and I think that is a crying shame. It is. So that all the giants are asleep when they get back. They're taking 40 winks, and uh, the BFG has a plan. And this <gasps> is to to basically give the Troggle Humper nightmare to the... Uh, which one is it? Is it the Fleshland Peter? I think it's the Fleshland Peter. Um, the Fleshland Peter giant. So he sneaks over... And blows the nightmare into the giant's sort of face, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the <laughs> and, and and the giant has it. <laughs> Come on, and the, <laughs> the giant, so what? I'm just, I'm just I'm I'm just a guy sitting on the end of a microphone, not saying anything about <laughs> psychic waterboarding and other things. <laughs> and uh, the giant suddenly has this terrible nightmare which ends makes him start thrashing around <laughs> I like this the nightmare is basically about Jack and the Beanstalk it's this uh, <laughs> it's this sort of monstrous human character that the giants have heard about in legend and is uh, all they know is he's called Jack and he's got something called a Beanstalk and it's bad news for the giants which <laughs> 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 is good um, but because he's thrashing around he punches a couple of the giants sleeping next to him and it basically just oh, turns into an all like riot <laughs> royal rumble yeah, and they're off straight from unconsciousness to bloody fist swinging yeah what do you think about this plan um well obviously it's satisfying because these are you know giant knobs in in every conceivable sense of the word but hmm. um I mean, it does add to kidnapping and and genocide, psychological torture, as <laughs> as a fun way of dealing with your problems, as presented by this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to not think too hard, haven't you, about this book, you say? <laughs> which, which doesn't help considering the way we're analysing it page by page. <laughs> That's that's true. I, I I will admit that our approach here, whilst whilst hopefully happy go lucky and enjoyable, also <laughs> does tend towards the undermining of childlike innocence. <laughs> uh, but then maybe I'm just being too too super ego about it. Maybe that. Well, there you go. There there. You know, I'm analysing too much. I just use the phrase too super ego about it. Hey. <laughs> However, maybe I'm just you know maybe I just need to embrace the fact that as as a kid you are very open to wonder and terror. And uh, extremity in a way that you're just not as an adult. Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe, probably maybe. true. Maybe, maybe genocide is fine for kids. That's what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying there. <laughs> uh, the, the next chapter, uh, the final chapter for today, um, is dreams. So this is uh, basically the BFG goes back to the cave and then he writes out a description of the dream um, that he's caught so this golden fizz wizard is basically a dream where a child saves their teacher from drowning and then gets all this adulation at school the next day yeah um and then there were a number of other dreams he basically lets sophie go along the shelves and read some of the other dreams and i just wondered which of these would be your favorite one to have shall i go through it good question yeah 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 hit me up um i'll be honest 
I've got a, I've got a clear winner as well. Shall I do mine first? Yeah, yeah. Do do yours first, and then I have to pick something okay. from your leavings. Yeah. So here's the here's what we have. We have the obviously the saving your teacher from drowning dream. There's um, making your teacher fall asleep, and then when the head teacher comes in to sack said teacher, making him fall asleep as well. There's um, getting a pair of boots that allow you to walk on the ceiling and then deliver a cutting remark to your sister. <laughs> There's uh, receiving a call from the President of the United States um, asking for advice. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that one is how it almost plays out like a horror movie to start with, where it's like kind of his dad picks up the phone and goes, Hello? Oh, God. Oh. Oh. Oh, and you think something really terrible's happened, and it's just him embracing his, his complete failure in the face of his son's brilliance. One, one for the egomaniac <laughs> 10-year-old there, I think. <laughs> yeah. There's... Uh, Gaining the power of invisibility and then using it to, like, upset people in the street. Um, there's authoring a best-selling book, which is so good that um, people can't put it down and various calamities happen <laughs> across, across the world. There's a bit where a pilot's reading it and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the plane's not going to crash, is it? Because that would be horrendous. And it just yeah. goes to the wrong destination. That's, which is fine. That's yeah. fine. There's, I love this one, Dave. There's cli- climbing Everest with your cat. Um, a dream that we almost made reality, but at a different mountain and a different companion. <laughs> um, That's there's, true. There's inventing a car that can run on toothpaste. <laughs> I love all the really short ones. I love where he wrote out three or four massive ones, and then he just got to the end, and he was like, "Right, I need to crank these out." Car, just looking around the room. Car and toothpaste. Brilliant. Making soy sauce. Out of Kahlua, done. <laughs> I like them because I like those because I can imagine there would be a big difference in like what children dream, depending on personality as well. Some are really like in depth and like almost have a little plot of their own, like the uh, yeah. saving the teacher from drowning. And some are just like just <laughs> just daft. Like I mean, one of them is just I've got a beard. I'm a child with a beard. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I t- that one I really liked because it's so well illustrated. <laughs> Quentin Blake's illustration for that is just this kid. And the thing is that he's something about it, he captures perfectly what it would be like for a 10-year-old to grow a beard. Like, a 10-year-old, he just walks away with his head held high and his chin thrust out, massive beard on it, away from his mates. And you can hear him going, yep, you all might as well not bother hitting puberty because I have taken it all. I have all of it right here. There is no puberty left to go around. I have all the puberty. I have all the puberty. <laughs> and somehow I'm proud about that. Yeah. yeah, so boy with beard's another one. There's ability to switch on lights with your mind, so basically telekinesis. There's oh, the... you'd love a bit of that, wouldn't you? No need for a, a clapper. Exactly. There's the ability to float out of the window, so flight. So we've got, you know, you've got some classics here. Flight, invisibility, telekinesis, a beard. And... <laughs> <laughs> And I was thinking of all these, so it's going to be close. And then I read the final one, and I thought, well, no contest. A pet bee that plays rock and roll music. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. So he's kind of so we've got the first few are like really in depth. They're about character and story, and about depth and you know psychological desire. And the next six or seven are just about really really funny shit. And then the last one. He just dropped some acid and finished the book. <laughs> There's a bee that plays rock and roll as it flies by, as it buzzes. Yeah, it sounds Bees. like a, it actually sounds like a Beatles song, doesn't it? It it's does. A, like a late a late era Beatles song. A late era Beatles song. <laughs> I'd like to be under the sea with a bee that makes music as it buzzes past. There's a bee that flies around and plays the music. <laughs> You're killing me, Matt. Honestly, you have to record that song. <laughs> this year's Equality Street, I'm telling you. Do you hear the distortion as it goes by? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's the so... new Hamilton. <laughs> oh, by the way, Hamilton. What a what a music. If you like, if you if you can bear listening to musicals, I know some people can't, so don't listen to it if you can't. If you can bear listening to musicals, you like politics and you like sort of rap music and but have sort of think maybe the two shouldn't ever mix, then just 
just give Hamilton a go because it may well change your mind. I've thought it was brilliant. But anyway, that's enough of the... We're not getting paid for that, by the way. That isn't an advertisement in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it should be going off because on because Hamilton, which is sold out on Broadway until sometime <laughs> after the heat death of the universe, needs our advertising on here. Hey. Oh, you've sold out to Hamilton. You have. <laughs> it's going to the UK, so they got to draw up support from somewhere. Um, is it really? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Oh, tempting. But, yeah, I'm curious actually, as because it's a, because it's a. I know this is a little bit off on one, but because it's a uh, musical about the sort of American War of Independence and then the subsequent creation of the American state. I'm just wondering how much pickup it's going to get in England, but I suppose it gets some just <laughs> something because it's well-known and a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, is, there is an English character, which is basically just King George III being camp. But, um, is that really it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Brilliant. Outstanding. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so back, back to the... Skip to the end. Back to the... Uh, <laughs> Back to the, uh, the the job in hand, which is picking our favourite dream. Uh, well, I mean, my obviously mine is the rock and roll pet B. What, what do you think about yours? Um, it's either the ten-year-old with a beard, or <laughs> it's very simple. I know, but flight. I just love the idea of flight. Just, yeah. and I love the way it's put as well. Like you can jump out of a, win- a window on any floor, and you won't hurt yourself when you hit the ground. It's just it's like, yeah, okay, it's flight, sure, but it's sort of like. It's dealing with an apparent problem that all ten-year-olds have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently. So no, I like that. I think it's flight for me. Have you ever had a flying dream? Um. Yeah, I think I weirdly <laughs> no. When you said that, when you said that, the first thing I thought of was not my own dream life, but it was that it was. Um, do you know Elbow? They did a song called "Flying Dream 143," and it was just yeah, right. it was yeah it was just a really short little song ditty at the end of an album about dreaming that you were flying yeah. and that was it but that, so that's what I thought of there I didn't think of my own flying dreams mm. I might listen to music a bit too much come to think <laughs> of it yeah uh, so so okay so your choice is the, the flying the floating out of the window dream yeah uh, if anyone uh, if you want to get in touch with your own preferred dream of those then just do let us know sharpliverallpodcast at gmail.com or any other thoughts on the book uh, in time for the next episode, which will be next week. Uh, we're just getting to the end of this chapter. There's a little bit to finish off. The BFG uh, has learned to read and write by reading Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens, which is sort of borrowed for a number of years without the knowledge of the person <laughs> whose copy it is. Um, it's kind of like a early version of uh, file sharing this, isn't it? Oh, no, he's, actually, he's actually nicked it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it back eventually. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's, he's read Nicholas Nickleby to learn how to read. What do you make of that? Um, I'll level with you. I would have expected him to have a, a lot less made-up words and <laughs> a, a, a lot more condescending Victorian social order stuff in it. I'd expect him to crack out slightly more. Well, of course, over the over the uh, socially inferior, it is right that the the wealthy and aristocratic should rule, sort of thing. <laughs> Jack and Roald Dahl put that in just because he likes Charles Dickens and thought, you know what, I'll give I'll give my readers a nudge towards one of his books. No, I I noticed that he doesn't say it's by Charles Dickens. He says it's by Dahl's Chickens. Oh yeah, he which does, yeah. First, first of all is hilarious, and secondly. <laughs> I wonder if the, the the origin of that is people getting his name wrong. If they used to call him Roald Dale or something, and then <laughs> yeah, he's right, I'm putting it in there to so you'll learn my fucking name. <laughs> Roald Dale. Roald Dale. I mean, you could, couldn't you? You know. I think I used to call him Ronald Dahl because I didn't really understand. I didn't really get. Roald yeah, no, me too. I always saw I saw the name Roald, and I was like, that's. I wonder why he spelt his name wrong. It's clearly yeah. supposed to be Ronald. You yeah, know? I thought that. I thought, oh well, he's had a, he's had a crack at Ronald, but it must be Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good try, Ronald. Good try, but uh, you clearly failed. You've forgotten the end, haven't you? <laughs> My condescending seven-year-old mind thought that. Ah, well, this this author clearly can't write his own name, but given <laughs> the what horrifies me about that is that you and me thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we end the chapter with the giants are running off because it's night to go and eat mm. and they're all going to England <gasps> um, and of course because Sophie's uh, uh, gets gets wind of this and says we've got to stop them 
and the giant and the BFG says, "Oh, we can't," and she's like, oh. "But maybe they can," <gasps> because the next chapter, which we'll read next week, is called the Great Plan. <gasps> I hope it contains a great plan. Well, I've got a suspicion it, that it will contain a great plan. If it doesn't, I will feel significantly undersold here. Well, to find out, so you're going to have to <laughs> read it, obviously, or just listen to us next week. Um, but I hope you enjoyed that first part of the read-through of the BFG. I think we're going to do this in three parts. We're going to do the sort of next half of the book next week, and then we'll do sort of reviews. So get those in, sharkliverallpodcast at gmail.com. And um, and also maybe a look at the the film which has just come out. I'm doing a little comparison with Steven Spielberg's yeah. film. Um, yeah. So so that's that, that's the way it's going to work over the next few weeks. Obviously, after that, we'll be on to a new book. So any suggestions for other books, do let us know as well. Same email address, sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get us on Twitter, at sharkliveroil, where I will be putting out that video of the carrot juicer guy as well, which I can't <laughs> recommend enough. Superb. <laughs> Nothing but um, the best with Shark Liver Oil. Yeah. And uh yeah, but that I think that's as, as far as we as we go today, Dave. Yeah, brilliant. So enjoy the rest of the book. Layers. <laughs>